Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. You may be seated. Well, if you have been around the cathedral for the past several years, our guest preacher this morning needs no introduction, but if you are new with us, uh, we have a great treat this morning to welcome the Reverend Dr. John Barr. Um, John is a dear friend of the cathedral, a friend of this diocese. Um, he's preached here multiple times over the last several years. His son David, in fact, was our scholar in residence in 2018, the summer of 2018, and um, many of you know, know David well and love him. But this morning, uh, John is coming to us from Columbia, from a Church of the Apostles in Columbia, which may sound familiar because that is where our new, sorry about that, we'll get that fixed. Our new bishop, Chip Edgar, was the former dean of that cathedral. And so this morning we are in the middle of a, a pulpit swap. And so our dean, Pete Dickinson, went up to Columbia to preach there. And we have the joy of having John Barr with us. So welcome, John. Go ahead and come on. Thank you. Great time to have you with us, brother. You going to pray with me? Yeah, you're going to pray with me. Yeah. God, thank you for the gift that it is to have Dr. John Barr with us, Lord, we pray that as he brings us uh, this word, Lord, that the very words of Jesus would shine forth by the power of your spirit, and that we would be transformed uh, by the power of your gospel. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, brother. <clears throat> so you can't pray too much. I'm going to pray too. So let us pray. Um, Lord, your, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and bones and marrow all the way into our hearts. We pray this morning that the miracle of your spirit would take your words and flame my feeble words, that your word might be spoken and heard and felt. And Lord, through all of our worship today, through these beautiful hymns, through the bread, the bread of life, through, through the words of this psalm, we might walk forth from this place, as Paul in that wonderful phrase says, in newness of life. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is so good to be here, and Pete and I were hanging out whenever it was, and we said, what if we did a pulpit swap? And I said, kind of like Bobby Flay, and, uh, you know, have a throwdown and have, you know, have a preach-off. Uh, not exactly that. But I do bring you wonderful greetings from the, the cathedral in uh, Columbia, which is the cathedral to remind you of um, the Diocese of the Carolinas. And we, of course, well, I'm in that now because you can't be dean and be in another diocese, I guess. But uh, it is just so good to be here and for these two dioceses to grow closer together. And I thought it would be wonderful for our parish in Columbia, Apostles, uh, for the congregation up there to meet the dean that their former rector, uh, Chip Edgar, uh, serves with now. And so uh, I hope he's having fun. I'm having a great time. Um, my friends, I want us to, to um, think um, about and walk through. There's a kind of movement in this psalm that we have today. One of my favorite psalms, always seeing new things in it. But I hope this, if you're not really, if it's not one of your 
top platinum hit psalms. I, I want it to become one. Uh, it, it, it is so wonderful. Uh, it, it is dealing with being in exile. It is dealing with, with people who, in a sort of generic way, because it's not specific as to what the psalm is about, the first part, but it's about, it's about, it's about when, when, when joy has taken flight. You remember times of joy. You remember times where your heart is full and the presence of God is gleeful and with you and present and like a river kind of flows out. We live in seasons like that. There are seasons like that. But you know, you can't separate, you, you can't put a gated community around your heart and just say, we're just gonna, you're just gonna have joyful times because life comes, in this psalm, joy and sorrow and tears and laughter are all swirling together. But it brings us a picture that, that when we are broken, when we're in times of exile, when it feels like the, the river channels in the Negev are just nothing but dry and dusty, um, empty places, and when our hearts feel that way, you know, it's, it's good to begin to have, be addressed in such a powerful, beautiful, and hopeful way. I, I don't know about you, uh, but where I live and with people, we, we it seem to be kind of coming out of it, but just seem, every generation has sad times. It seems like we've just been through a lot of sadness in a lot of different ways. I mean, people I rub up against, people I know, people I pray with, people I see, back behind their faces that look okay, there's a lot of exile and a lot of hurt and there's a lot of sadness. And there's still kids who have been wearing those masks all the time um, who back behind that mask have constructed faces and quit smiling. And, and I see it in schools. They're, they're, they, they're, they don't know quite how to come out of where they have been. And this psalm, its structure, is six verses. The three first verses deal with the remembrance which we need to carry with us. And the other ones, the last, are, are the person who's a psalmist is writing in a place of real emptiness and yearning for, for God, yearning for joy. He doesn't know how to get there. But the psalm begins with uh, when the Lord restored our fortunes. And it's probably the exile, probably coming home from the Babylonian exile. When the Lord restored our fortunes, then we were like those who dreamed. It was too good to be true. It was like a dream. You wake up and have to pinch yourself. We really are back in Jerusalem. And the nations even look and say, God, the, the Lord has been so good to them. Um, your mouth, our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. Lord has done great things for us. Uh, praise God. You have those memories. But that's a memory. And today is today. I don't know what your day is. And I don't know. You may be just overflowing with living water, like a cataract running in and out of your heart towards other people. You may be sitting here, and, you're, and, and all I have to do is say heartbreak. And, and your Geiger counter has figured out what is going on in your heart. Some loss, some pain, some yearning, some joy depleted that is, uh, that is withered away and has just become a mist, taking the last train to the coast. You may be sitting here, if you are, 
these precious, treasured words are for you. Because then the psalmist goes on and says, restore our fortunes. But this is now. And I'm in church and people knew what I was feeling and my, and my sense of emptiness. They wouldn't believe it. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing those promised sheaves with them. So I want us to think, there's a movement in this psalm, and the question would be, how do I get my joy back? How How do I find the reflexes that take me out of out of what feels somewhat like a joyless place, a prison maybe. Um, and, and I want to say, I want to say, you know, when we have feelings like that, the, the two big things that we can do with, with, with feelings of hurt, of suffering, number one is I've become an expert at it, and it's just denial. It's repression. It's very close to stoicism. Uh, my, my parents came out of the World War II generation, and their way of dealing with, um, I love them to, to death, but their way of dealing with things is not talk about it. You get over it, you say. Well, of course you don't get over it. Get over small things, but deep pains, as we know, they, they can come as a visitor, but then take up permanent residence in your heart and stain your heart and live and pulse inside us. A subterranean way that that's there, that loss, that death that we felt um, can, can, can just stay with us. Um, but the other thing is um, we can be overcome by our emotions and our emotions rule us. And it just becomes, the hurt just becomes a definition of our life. You know, hurt, pain, you know, like crises are us, pain, pain are us. And, and that's, kind of, that's kind of what we do with, uh, with, 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 with the hurts, or the exile. And I just want to say this morning, there, there, there's some ways that the Lord, through this psalm, is teaching us how to come out of that dark place into a, a meadow of light, of his presence. And the first is, is, is this, is that we lament. Lament doesn't sound... Who wants to lament? Half the Psalms are lament. It's bringing to God, before God, what it is that we feel. If, if, you, if, you, if you read the Psalms, I mean, the brute honesty and nakedness of the heart is something that you find so beautifully. Lord, I've waited, Psalm 13, Lord, I've waited, I've waited. How long? How long will you leave me in this place? But the beauty of it is as the psalmist cries out and cries out and brings that before the Lord, what he's doing is he's taking the pain and bringing it before the face of God. That's the first thing I want us to get. Pull over to the side of the road. We don't need more entertainment. We don't need diversion. We don't need amusement. Uh, Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. It's about our culture. Uh, we don't need more TikTok. We don't need any TikTok, as far as I'm concerned. But I haven't seen TikTok, so I shouldn't even say it. <laughs> but here's this beautiful thing with the psalmist who takes 
that sense of being in exile. I have great memories of feeling so close to God, just not living that now. And you take that and you bring it before the face of God and you bring it to him. You know, C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, I can't remember, but he's talking about prayer. It's probably letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer. But he says, the, the, always the place to start, the beginning of all prayer is this prayer. May the real me meet the real you. Isn't that beautiful? Before we just get on to the phrases and, you know, that can become routine or glib, it's like, let me just stop. Where am I really? That's what the Psalms do in lament. And we bring them, we bring them to him. And as we do that, as we wait before him and rest before him and bring, bring our hearts before him, we find that um, when we are most wounded, we are able most clearly to see the wounded one. We're able to see through our tears, we're able to see his tears. We've stopped. We've, we brought that honesty and he is there. He's drawing near. I love William Blake, a strange poet, romantic, English romantic poet, but uh, he, he wrote a poem called On Another's Sorrow, and he captures this so well. The last three stanzas of this poem, I want to read to you. And just think about Jesus with those who are in exile, who, who, are, who are broken, who are in suffering. He says, he doth give his joy to all. He becomes an infant small. He becomes a man of woe. He doth feel the sorrow too. Think not that thou canst sigh a sigh and thy maker is not by. Think not that thou canst weep a tear and thy maker is not near. Oh, he gives to us his joy that our grief he may destroy Till our grief is fled and gone, he doth sit by us and moan. So I don't know where you are, but when we stop and take the anguish, the hidden anguish, and we follow what this psalm is doing, that first thing is to simply to take our feelings before God, sit before him, and uh, we will be wounded closest to the wounded one and we go deeper then and the great phrase in this psalm i want you to get i think it's the the the, the milestone it, it it is it is um those who sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy it doesn't say you're just automatically going to get better let me tell you what it doesn't say time will just heal all things Healing takes time, my friends, but raw waiting in time without bringing our hearts before God, sowing the pain in him. You've known people, maybe you might be one of those people, who you waited for time to heal. And 34 years ago, someone hurt you, and it's alive and pulsing today as it was then. Miss Habisham, you read Great Expectations? Um... And is my friends, it's taking the pain. It's the word sowing. When, we, when we're, we're in a hurting place, we take the pain. We take the heartbreak, the, the disappointment, submerged anger. 
and we, we let it go. We sow it into the ground. We re release it to God. God, I can't carry this. It's too big, too heavy. I've been trying to finesse it. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been watching Netflix a lot. How's that working for you? Um, and, and we take it. It's a deliberate verb, my friends. A verb, an action. A determined decision. What have I been doing with my pain? Sow it into the ground. Put it in the ground where Jesus went on Good Friday. Put it all the way down into the ground. Release it to him. Into whose hands he's bearing the sins of the whole world. Bearing the grief of the whole world. And we give it to him. We put it in the ground with the promise that it's going to lead us home. And it's going to bear seeds. And, and, and we're, we're going to have that joy restored. We're going to have that joy restored as we give it to him. And he works in us and begins to, to bring healing. He begins to bring resurrection to us. Sowing. Years ago, I, Laura and I were doing a, a teaching in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, Church of the Ascension. I remember, remember very little of what I taught. It's terrifying to know that they don't remember any of what I taught, probably. But when, I was exhausted when I was through teaching. It was like on a Friday night, and they were going to all break up into small groups of 200 people or something like that. And I just, I, I just said... I, I did my thing. I think I'm going to go take a walk. Well, I walked just outside the building, and I happened to walk. I said, I'm going into the church. I wonder if the church is open. It was open. I went in. It was dark, just a little bit of light in there. I came up there, and I sat in one of these places. It was one of those architectural nuances. It looked like maybe a, um, a friar had designed the architecture or something. The seats that you kind of hide in and not see sideways type things. And I sat in one of those, and I, would, I was just resting. It was so beautiful, quiet, resting in the Lord, totally by myself, until the door opened, and the man came walking down. He couldn't see me, and I, did, I didn't want to uh, shock him or, or uh, you know, arrest him. And so I was just quiet, didn't know what he was doing there. And I looked closer as he got closer. He was carrying a child. He was carrying a young child. And he came all the way up, and I was just silent. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to disturb him. And he, he came up, and he walked up to the altar. I don't know who he is. Don't know anything about the little child. But he said in, in words that I could hear he's speaking to God. And he walked up to the altar, and he put the child on the altar. And he said, Father, I can't carry him anymore. We've done everything. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I, I can't. I'm bringing him to you. I'm bringing him to you, Lord, and I'm letting go and, and putting him in your hands. And I pray that you'll do everything from your compassionate heart that you will do for this child. But I'm, I'm letting him go to you. I, I can't fix him. I can't be his God. That's not word for word, but that's what it was. And then he was quiet for a while. And then he picked up that child, and I'll never forget, there was a lightness about his steps. <laughs> he took his child back, having released him, having sown the seeds, putting them down in the ground, putting him in the hands of, of the crucified 
and risen Lord Jesus, he walked out and there was a smile on his face. I know nothing about that little child. But I know that he was left in the Father's hands incredibly. And then lastly, it's just about coming home. The, the, the psalmist says, He who goes out weeping, bearing the seeds for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing the sheaves with him. When we're in a place like that, maybe you're not in a place like that now. But you might be. A place of exile and a place of pain and suffering, disappointment. We need to lift our eyes up. We need to lift our eyes up and remember that the Christian life is not a tragedy, my friends. It's a comedy. And I don't mean like a comedy you see on TV. I'm talking about classic literature where in a tragedy things are going great and something happens, circumstances happen. Sometimes it's the hubris of the person. But at the end of all of Shakespeare's tragedies, they all end up dead on the stage. But in a comedy, things aren't going all that well, but something happens. There's some invasion. There's a light of grace. There's a turn. There's love which overcomes. And it always ends up in a wedding. And our Bible ends up in a wedding. It ends up in the wedding feast. It's the most amazing thing. To lift our eyes and and know that in his time, seeds don't grow instantly. But in his time, he's bringing us through. He's bringing us to the throne. He's bringing us to his arms where everything will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be restoration. We'll be able to see those people. We'll be cleansed of heart. There will be a lightness. And best of all, there will be laughter. Restored laughter. And... uh, In Pilgrim's Progress, when Christian comes home after this long, painful journey, at the end it says, when the day that he must go hence was come, speaking of Christian, many accompanied him to that riverside into which as he went, he said, death, where is thy sting? And as he went down, down deeper, he said, grave, where is thy victory? And so he passed over, and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side. Laughter, joy, homecoming. Those who sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy. Lord, I pray that you would minister to anybody here who is in exile or locked away in some room of pain that they don't know how to turn or where a door is, that you would, Lord, you are the door. That you would be the door, Lord Jesus, this day. Come and visit, redeem, restore laughter. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.